Why don't you lift up your Bible until the Lord or your instrument of, you know, of, of Scripture, whatever you're using, hallelujah. Just lift that up and say this after me. Lord Jesus, I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that you are my Lord. You are the living word. You've given unto me the written word that I might know you. I set myself to have ears to hear, eyes to see, a mind that's open, and a heart that's receptive to receive this word and graft it into my life. And I thank you, Lord, that as I act on this word, you will confirm it in my life with signs and wonders. And I give you the praise for it and declare it so. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. I want you to turn to Matthew's gospel, the 24th chapter. I just want to encourage you a little bit. I was praying about this service and you know, in the 24th chapter, the Lord Jesus is, is ministering. He's getting ready to go into his time on the cross and deal with, with our sin. But, you know, he, he walks out and the, the disciples begin to tell him here in the first verse about the temple and how wonderful it is. And the Lord then gives him some real, you know, wake you up news that everything you see is going to be destroyed. It's going to be torn down. There's not going to be a stone left upon another. And so they, they, they get all, you know, oh my goodness. And so in, in verse 3, they, they ask him three questions. I was going to start in verse 4, but verse 3 sets up verses 4 through the rest of the chapter. So let's, let's look in verse 3. He says this. He says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? Question number 1. And what will be the sign of your coming? Question number two. And what is the end of the age? Question number three. In other words, it's a three-part question. Amen. And so verse four, all the way down to the end of this chapter is the Lord Jesus bringing insight and answers to those three things in this question. He begins to tell them about when the things are going to happen with the temple. Then he talks to them about the signs of his coming. And then he talks to them about, you know, when to look and when to see and, and the, when the second advent. So he actually talks about these three things. And so we find out that one of the things is 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 this you know he, he separates the catching away of the church with the second advent see the rapturing of the church is not the second advent of the lord second advent or the second coming of the lord is at the end of this age and the bible says that's when his feet touch down on the top of mount of olives and he actually comes to the earth but according to the scriptures we don't have time to go into them but whenever you study about his his catching away of the church or the or the rapture as we call it he never touches the earth, for we're caught up in the clouds to meet him in the air. Are you hearing me? And so he talks about the two different things, but he gives us some things to look at. And what you've got to understand is when the Lord Jesus is speaking to us, and even in the Bible, when you find prophecy in the Bible, you have two types of prophecy. You have a conditional prophecy and an unconditional prophecy. Somebody said, what's, what's the difference? A conditional prophecy is this, is when God would speak to somebody and say, this is going to happen unless you do this. Amen. And there were, there were, you know, just like with Hezekiah, you know, he was told, set your house in order, you're going to die. But what did he do? He turned his face to the wall, repented, prayed, and corrected things. And before the prophet could even get outside the courtyard of the castle there, God said, go back and tell him I've heard his prayers. In other words, that was a conditional prophecy. If you don't change the conditions, this is what's going to happen. 
Amen? But if you'll change the conditions, you can change the outcome. That's a conditional prophecy. Amen? And so that means it's not set. You and I have something to do with that. An unconditional prophecy is like the Lord coming again. I don't care whether you're ready or not. He's coming again whether you think He is or He's not. It's unconditional. There are no conditions that you and I can change or make happen to stop that from coming to pass. Did you hear me? See, in Genesis, whenever Adam sinned, there was an unconditional prophecy spoken by God. Whenever he said to the serpent, he said, listen, the seed of that woman is going to crush your head. You may bruise his heel, but he's going to destroy you. That was an unconditional prophecy. It's going to happen whether you want it to or not. Amen. And so the reason I'm saying that is this. Verses four on down, these are unconditional prophecies. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about this. You and I cannot change or alter them. They're going to happen. Are you hearing me? It's going to happen whether you want it to or not. It's going to happen whether you're ready for it or you're not ready for it. It's going to happen. Everything Jesus said in these verses are going to happen. Now, what you do with these things is going to determine whether you get destroyed or whether you walk in victory and overcome. Amen? So you and I have a part, we have decisions to make during these times, but then we have to realize, I can't change all that's coming upon the earth right now. The Lord said it was going to happen, but He does tell me that I'm to pray and get myself ready for it. He does tell me things to do so that I can survive all of these things that He's saying is coming upon the land. Amen? So with that, with that, that, that set down as a foundation, now let's, let's see what he says. In verse 4, he says this, And Jesus answered and said to them. Now he's answering those three things. He's going to begin answering them here in verse 4. He says, Take heed that no one deceives you. In other words, he says, one translation says, Beware that no one misleads you into error. You take heed. In other words, it's my responsibility to not be misled during these times. And guess what? If the Lord said, take heed that no one deceives you, that means that there are going to be voices out here that's going to tell me to go contrary to what God wants me to do. Are you listening to me? And so when the Lord says, take heed, what he's saying to you and me is this, don't think that you can't be misled. Amen. Don't take the attitude, well, I'll never fall for that, because you're setting yourself up at that moment to be misled and deceived. So he says, you take heed to yourself. You be on guard. That doesn't mean you get fearful or you get, you know, you walk around here, you know, uh, I'm going to put a bubble around me and not, not communicate. No, no. It just means that I recognize that anybody could be misled. So therefore, I'm going to be vigilant and diligent, like the Apostle Peter said, when it comes to the roaring lion of Satan. I'm not going to be afraid of him, but I'm going to be be diligent and vigilant and resist him steadfast with my faith. Amen. So I'm not going to be deceived in this hour because I'm going to make sure I'm allowing the spirit of God to help me to discern what's going on around me. Then he goes on and he says this. Notice he said not to be, not let anybody deceive you. And, and then he says this in verse five, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. In other words, he says, there are going to be all kinds of crazy offshoots to even Christianity. And what they'll do is they'll change up the doctrine just a little bit and it'll sound okay, but it, it, what it does, it points you to them and not to God. 
Amen. Somebody comes along and they've got this new revelation and they're preaching this and it makes them look like they're somebody. You better walk away from it. Amen. Because this self-promoting, self-prospering, self-building, you know, that's the Antichrist. Amen. And so he says, beware that. And we see that's going on in the world today. He says, and you will hear wars and rumors of wars. I believe we're hearing that today, aren't we? And then he says this, see that you are, are not troubled. That word trouble there can also mean frightened. In other words, when you're hearing of all these things, don't let it produce in you a spirit of fear. Are you hearing me? Be aware of what's going on, but don't live frightened and troubled and, and upset and woe is me. And oh God, you know, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus, you know. He says, for all these things must come to pass. Notice that, that, that tells you it's an unconditional prophecy. For all these things must come to pass. In other words, they're going to happen whether you want them to or not. Amen? He says this, but the end is not yet. Woo, look at that. He says, all these things are going to happen, but that doesn't mean that Jesus is ready to come back for us. That doesn't mean that he's going to be here tomorrow. That means that you need to be ready for this and ready to live in whatever season of testing and trying you're coming in, whatever areas of trouble that's coming against you. You need to learn how to live through those things and be victorious even in these times of distress. Amen. Then he goes on, he says this, for nation will rise against nation. Now that word nation, the word for nation is ethnos. Ethnic groups shall rise against, you know what that is? Identity politics, trying to pit people gender against gender, you know, and, and race against race and religion against religion. And, and that's what he's talking about there. And you see that going on around us all the time right now. It's happening right now. And then he goes on, he says this, and kingdom against kingdom. That's the kingdom of darkness rising up against the kingdom of light. He's talking about the two kingdoms on the earth are going to be battling it out. Do you understand there are two kingdoms in operation on the earth right now? The kingdom of darkness where Satan is Lord over it, and the kingdom of God where Jesus is Lord over it. One is darkness, one is light. One redeems you, one sends you down. Amen. And there's a battle going on, meaning what? There's a spiritual warfare going on right now, and the battle is for your heart. The battle is for your soul. The battle is for your life. The battle is for your eternity. Jesus Christ came to win your heart and your soul and your eternity so you could spend it with God and be in the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of darkness is going to rise up in this hour trying to pull you back in and keep you defeated so the devil can take you to hell with him. Amen? And so we need to see that. And he goes on and he says this, and there will be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. The word pestilence there means plague or diseases. Wonder if there are any plagues or diseases hitting the planet right now. Anybody heard of any earthquakes in various places recently? I just read where there was locusts in certain nations in Africa that are just destroying entire countries. Hmm, wonder if we could live, be living in these times right now. Wonder if this virus that's, that's being, you know, talked about 24 hours a day on news channels. Wonder if that could be one of these signs that Jesus forewarned us and said would come. But notice he said up there, don't let yourself become troubled or frightened or fearful and distressed or, and, 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 you know, to the point where you can't function. Don't let these things determine who you are or your life. Let's keep on. All these things are the beginning of sorrows, or the early pains of, of the birth pangs, one says. 
He says, then they will deliver you to tribulation. That word tribulation there is actually persecution and, and affliction, coming against the gospel, coming against the Lord. And they'll kill you. In some countries right now, Christians are being killed all, all the time. You never hear about it. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. In other words, when you step up for the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to find out that not everybody's going to be your buddy. Amen. They don't mind you being religious, but you start talking to them about Jesus. And I'll tell you what, they'll stop your Bible school club. They'll stop you from having prayer around the flag. They'll stop you from doing anything. And the, they'll do anything they can do to stop you from talking about Jesus. But when, you know, if you don't want to talk about him, you can do all you want to. But you wear a T-shirt that says Jesus in certain places. And I'm going to tell you what, you, you just, just become a marked person. Why would they do that? Well, you know, you don't duplicate or attack something that's counterfeit or a copy you only you only come against the real you only attack that which is real amen huh and so the lord is predicting he's he's prophesying he's declaring these things and then he goes on he says this and and then many will be offended that word offended also means to fall back how many people were in church and something happened to them. Something didn't go their way. Got tough. Got hard. Somebody said something to them. Somebody persecuted them. Something went wrong in their life. And all of a sudden, they've fallen away from God. They got offended. They didn't take heed and let somebody deceive them with some kind of an offense. Now, instead of being on fire for God, they're being beat down by the enemy and destroyed. Notice he goes on, he says this, many will be offended, many will betray one another, and many will hate one another. In other words, there, there's, there's going to just be, you know, people are going to lose their passion for God, people are going to, you know, be offended, their people are going to be cold and indifferent, and these are Christians, and, and spirit-filled Christians, people that carry the name of Jesus in their life. Jesus says it's going to happen. But he just warns you up here, he says, take heed to yourself that it doesn't happen to you. Amen? Well, I know some people, and they were on fire for God, and they just fell away. That doesn't mean you have to. Amen? Amen. In fact, the Bible says, ye which are spiritual, go and restore such one, Paul said to the Galatians. Amen? So we should be restoring them, not considering following them. Well, it's gotten quiet in this Presbyterian church, and I hadn't. Amen. Come on. These are truths that we have to look at. He says, then, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Uh, you know, when I put false prophets, I put lying preachers. Amen. Listen, you know, one of the reasons that Christian TV has, has lost its effectiveness is because a bunch of lying preachers getting on there. And a bunch of false prophets getting on there, and a bunch of people that are false Christ saying, if you put a thousand dollars in my, you know, next uh, telethon and my next offering, you know, you'll be debt free. I always tell everybody the only one's going to be debt free is the one getting a thousand dollars. If it's a self-promoting ministry, don't be a part of it. Because it should be a Jesus-promoting ministry and people's lives being changed-promoting ministry. And, and money should be the last thing that's ever talked about because God will meet the needs. Amen? Amen. Now let's continue on. He says this. It, many, of course, will, will be, you know, there'll be many false prophets, deceive many. People are going to be deceived because they didn't take heed. And he says because lawlessness or, you know, iniquity will abound, the love of many or the passion of many Christians will grow cold. 
What's he mean? Listen to me, folks. You cannot let people that are doing the wrong thing getting by with it get you upset all the time. Well, here I'm trying to live right and do right and treat people right. And that person over there, I mean, they ought to be in prison for the next 3,000 years. And they get by with everything. I don't know, you know, I don't know why. Ain't no, you know, you better take heed and be careful because what you're doing is you're letting their lawlessness influence how you live. Listen, I don't do the right thing because I expect everybody else to do it. I do the right thing because I expect me to do it. I want to serve God and live for God and be right with Him. Amen. So I'm doing it as unto the Lord. I'm not doing it for your applause or for your, you know, whatever anyway. We should be doing this for the Lord. And then he goes on and he says this. He says, but, the, the, but he who endures, verse 13, he says, but he who endures, those who endure to the end shall be saved. That word endure means to stay with it, have fortitude, and persevere. So you know what the Lord says? He says, all of those who refuse to let these things that I'm talking about change your life, offend you, deceive you, pull you away from me, stop you from believing in my name and carrying my name and doing what I've called you to do, those who will have perseverance through that, those who will have a fortitude about you, those who will stay with it and not turn away, when you do that, you shall be saved. And the word saved, there's the same one that we talk about salvation, means you'll be delivered, you'll be healed, you'll be preserved, you'll do well, and God will make you whole. You know what the Lord is saying in verse 13? He's saying all of these things are coming to destroy you you, but if you'll endure it, if you'll stay with it, if you'll have some fortitude, if you'll persevere, what the devil meant for your bad, I'll turn for your good, and I'll bring you out whole, strong, healthy, healed, and blessed. Hallelujah. Amen. The Lord is saying, I'll show you that I'm bigger than all these things that are coming against you. I'm greater than any plague. I'm greater than any pestilence. I'm greater than any rumor. I'm greater than any false doctrine. I'm greater than any earthquake. I'm greater than anything that come against you in these days. I'll watch over you, take care of you, and get you through it. If you'll just make up your mind, I'm going to stay with Jesus. Hallelujah. We have to be like Joshua. We have to stand up and say, though none go with me, I'm going over. Hallelujah. I'm not staying back because somebody else did. I'm going to stay with Jesus. Because if I stay with Jesus, he's going to get me through everything that the enemy's going to throw at me in these last days. Amen. But he's not just going to get you through it. Verse 14 tells you why he wants you to endure it. Verse 14 tells you why he wants you to trust him in all this. Verse 14 tells you why he wants you to, to take charge of your life and guard your heart and keep your eyes on him. Verse 14, he says this. Listen to him. He says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness and to all the nations, and then shall the end come. Hallelujah. What's he saying? He's saying during all this time when there's false prophets, all this time when plagues and sicknesses and viruses, all this time when there's wars and rumors of wars, all this time when there's persecution and lawlessness and people doing things and carnality running rampant and darkness coming upon the land, all those who stand strong with me, stay with me, endure with me. I'll use you during all this time to preach my gospel and to share the good news and be a witness to the world that I'm Lord even during these hard times. Hallelujah. 
Folks, this is not the time for the church to bury its head. This is the time for the church to rise up with the gospel message of Jesus Christ and preach it as a witness. The word witness there means with evidence and proof. Hallelujah. I'm to be a living testimony of the goodness of God in this hour. How you handle these things, your attitude towards these things, how you do, where you go, what you do, how you treat people during this time, it brings the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And instead of people being deceived, they choose Jesus. Instead of people getting offended, they get healed. Instead of people dying of sickness, they get healed. Instead of people being taken down by some false lying preacher, they rise up with the truth. Why? Because the gospel message is being proclaimed to them. So during all this, Jesus says, I will be active, raising up a people who will do my works. Amen? Hallelujah. I choose to be a part of that verse 14 group. Amen. I choose to be one of those witnesses of Jesus. I choose to be one of those who are sharing the good news that Jesus will get you through this. You know, you may have some rough days. You may have some tough times. You may be persecuted. And you may find yourself in some middle of some conflict. And you may find yourself in a place where you'd like to smack somebody. But if you'll keep your eyes on Jesus, he'll make you the head, not the tail, above only, not being. And he'll get you to the other side. Amen. And you'll become a testimony and a witness to the world that Jesus Christ is the answer. And that's where the church has to become. We have to be the answer during this time of panic, this time of struggle. Right now, we should be the answer to those who are out here wringing their hands and trying to figure out how they're going to make it through. We should be peace in the midst of the storm. We should be the calm that comes in and gives them that, yeah, and Jesus, we can make this, can't we? But you see, we have to decide we're going to stay stirred. That we're going to stay with Him. We're going to stay involved. We're going to trust Him. We're going to walk with Him. Amen? In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, I want to read to you out of the Amplified. This is what the Apostle Paul tells the Galatians church. In verse 9 of the Amplified Bible, it says, And let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint in acting nobly and doing right. Isn't that good? In other words, he's saying, with all these things going on around you, don't lose heart. Don't grow weary. Don't faint in acting nobly and doing right. In other words, lawlessness is going to abound, and it's going to attack your passion. Can you be passionate for Jesus if you're the only one lifting your hands? Can you still do the right thing when you look around and see people doing the wrong thing and cheating and lying and doing stuff, and it looks like they're getting by with it and getting blessed, and here you're trying to do what's right, and they just as, seem like they're getting just as much as you are? Can you still continue to act nobly and do what's right? See, he's, these things are going to worry. That's why Jesus begins this entire teaching here, Matthew. I said, take heed to yourself. Because, see, it's not my job to judge you. It's my job to judge me. Are you hearing me? It's not, your, it's not my job to critique your life and critique what you're doing right. It's my job to make sure, am I hearing the word? Am I doing what's right? Am I keeping my eyes on Jesus? Amen. And so Paul warns us, just don't lose heart. Don't grow weary and faint and acting doing what is right. For in due time and at the appointed season, we shall reap. In other words, it's going to be worth it. Hallelujah. Just like the Lord said, if you'll stay with it, I'll save you through this. Praise God. I'll get you through it. You might have some tough days, but I'll get you to the end. Praise God. Then he goes on, he says this, for in due time as the appointed season, we shall reap. Now listen, if we do not loosen and relax our courage and faint. 
The devil can't defeat us unless we quit. Are you hearing me? The only way he can defeat me is if I quit. Because he can't defeat me if I keep fighting. He can't stop me if I keep believing. He can't overcome me if I just keep on doing what God's called me to do. Amen. Because in due season, if I'm still around when my due season shows up, in other words, when my faith has run its course, come on. My blessings coming my way. My healings coming my way. My needs are getting met. God's going to meet my needs. He's going to save me and get me through this if I just stay with him. Amen. That's what God is telling us in this hour. Stay with it. Don't loosen your grip on your faith and your commitment to Christ. Amen. Now, in 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 2, or actually chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, I'll read this to you out of the Amplified. Listen to what the apostle says over here to Timothy. He says, this is why I would remind you. See, all of these things, Jesus said, you take heed. Paul in Galatians, he's writing to the church. He says, you make sure you don't grow weary. You make sure you're there when the, when the harvest is coming in. You keep doing what's right, whether anybody else is doing it or not. See, he's speaking to us individually because, you see, everything in the church is an individual choice. It's an individual decision. It, you know, Christianity is not a group thing. Jesus didn't save us. He saved me. Are you hearing me? I don't get saved because I join a church. I'm just a part of a group. But you see, each one of us make Jesus Christ Lord of our life individually. And then all of us have the same testimony. I asked Jesus in my heart. He saved me from my sins, became my Lord. And now, hallelujah, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And one stands beside you and says, he did the same thing for me. And then he did the same thing for me. And all of a sudden, corporately, we all gather together because we're united with our same experience of salvation, redemption, and God's love in our life. That's what makes us an us. But it has to be a me before there can be an us. It has to happen in my life. Are you hearing me? I choose this, praise God. So Paul here is again saying, this is why I would remind you. What do you want us to do, Paul? To stir up, rekindle the embers of, and fan the flame of, and keep burning, and keep burning. Everybody say it. And keep burning the gracious gift of God, the inner fire that is in you. Keep burning that gracious gift. That word gift there means a spiritual endowment or a miraculous faculty. Hallelujah. In other words, you keep the miracle part of God operating in your life. Amen. You keep that special work and, and connection and, and walk that you have with the Lord. You keep it on fire. Hallelujah. If you find yourself, I just don't know if I'm going to church this Sunday morning. Smack yourself and fan that flame and say, no, 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 no. I'm going to church, hallelujah. Amen. You say, what do you mean smack yourself? You mean, I mean buffet your body, hallelujah, amen. Uh, you just need to talk to your body every now and then and say, uh-uh, you old lazy thing. You are getting up. You're going to get dressed. Amen. You don't even brush your teeth, hallelujah. And we're going to church. And then you look down at your hand and say, I'm going to tell you another thing. You ain't staying in your pocket. Man, when we get to talking about Jesus as a way maker, you're going up. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? Huh? And then you go and look in the mirror and you say, you old frowny thing, you, you ain't staying like that. Because when we get to church, mouth, you're going to be singing in praises. And when I, those hands are told to go up, you're going to smile and you're going to shout. And we're going to fan the flame this morning. Hallelujah. 
I'm going to keep that miraculous gift and faculty of God operating in my life because I need His miracle power in my life. Amen? I need His provision. I need Him in me. And I'm going to keep that going in my life. See, you have to do that to yourself. Praise God. And then notice what he says in verse 7. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craving and cringing and fawning, fear. Listen, if God didn't give me the spirit of fear, if God didn't do any of these things to him, I don't have any business with him. Amen? I don't want anything that didn't come from God. So if something's got me cringing, it didn't come from God. If something's got me to the place where I'm concerned, a little, little cowardly in my faith confession, that didn't come from God. If something's got me worried and concerned and, and, and feeling like, oh, I don't know if I can make it or not, God didn't give me that. And if God didn't give me that, it has only one other source that it could come from. And Jesus said, kingdom shall rise up against kingdom. Meaning what? Either the kingdom of God is going to speak faith into me, or the kingdom of darkness is going to speak fear into me. And you and I have to understand, in these kingdom battles, the battle goes on in my head and in my heart. That's why in Matthew 6, Jesus said, take no thought, no worry, no concerns by saying, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? I'm going to make it. In other words, don't let the kingdom of darkness control how you think and what you talk. Let the kingdom of God control what you think and what you talk. How do I do that? By hearing what God has to say, receiving what God gives me. Hallelujah. So God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. We're not to be timid and shy and cringing and worried about everything. But he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of a calm and well-balanced mind. Woo, some of us could use that calm and well-balanced mind. Hallelujah. Amen. And discipline and self-control. I just couldn't help myself. Yes, you can. Jesus gave you discipline and self-control. Amen. That's why in Romans 12, he says, present your own bodies to God, which is your spiritual service. Amen. In other words, it's my reasonable response to God is to not let my body determine how I live. When I say body, I'm talking about feelings. Are you hearing me? I'm talking about, you know, uh, the, all these little things that your body wants to do. I don't feel good. I don't want to smile. I don't want to say things nice. I want to just sit back here and be mean today. Now, don't look at me in that pious look. I know your body talks to you just like mine does mine. Amen? See, feelings is the voice of your body. Amen. And what you're going to have to do is quit listening to that voice. Conscience is the voice of your spirit. What's that mean? That, that inward voice is your spirit talking to you. Saying, get up and quit acting ugly. Stir yourself and go to church and praise God this morning. You'll feel better when it's over. Hallelujah. And you know what's a great whenever you just decide you're going to stir yourself and do what God's told you to do? You know what happens? Your body will fall right in line. Amen. And sometimes, you know, you need help. That's why we need to be in church with each other, praise God, and work with each other. Uh, you know, we need to be encouraging. Hebrews 10 talks about not forsaking the assembly so that we can come together and encourage one another and stir one another and help one another. Amen. And when we come to church, we should be doing that. And, and sometimes we need a little nudge. So somebody comes up to you and says, praise the Lord. And you're looking at me, I want to smack you. Don't thank God for them. Amen. I remember when Bonnie and I, we were first married, we were going to East Tennessee State. And, and, and you ever had one of those mornings where everything's just wrong? Sunday morning, we get up 
It was during football season. I've, I'm, I played a game on Saturday. I'm a little bruised up, a little, you know, whatever. And, and so I get up that morning, and I'm thinking, you know, we're getting ready to go to church. And, and so we're, I go ahead and take a shower, and I think, well, it's Sunday. i got to shave. You know, I only shaved on Sunday mornings. The rest of the week, you know, these guys walk around with this stuff. You think you're cool. I was there in the 70s. Come on, because I didn't shave during football season. Okay, just Sunday morning when I went to church with my wife. And so I got up that morning, and, you know, Bonnie had used my razor and hadn't told me. You know, women don't shave their face. They shave their legs and get all that. And so I go in there, and I put my lather on, and, and man, I'm bleeding everywhere, you know. I didn't just use a little piece. I used a roll of toilet paper trying to get my face fixed up. And I'm a little aggravated about that. So I'm okay, you know. And then I go in, and I, I got a shirt, and I put it on the buttons off, and I go, one of my only two dress shirts I can wear to church. I can't wear it, so I have to go change. And then I had a pair of lace-up shoes, and I go in, and I sit down, and I, I go to pull the strings, you know, and one side of the string just pops right off of my hand. And I just threw it down on the floor and said, that's it, I ain't going to church. Didn't want to go anyway. And my sweet little wife, she looks at me, and she goes, oh. And so she just keeps going. And after a while, I'm watching. I said, what are you doing? She goes, I'm getting ready for church. I said, you ain't going to church. She said, yes, I am. I said, no, you're not. She goes, yes, I am. Why don't you want me to go to church? I ain't going to be like you. I said, what? She goes, why don't you want me to go to church? I said, because the pastor's going to come up to you and say, where's Daryl? And you won't lie. And you're going to say he was mad and stayed at home. And then when I go back the next time, he's going to get on my case. You ain't doing that to me. She goes, well, I'm going to church. I said, well, wait a minute. I tied a knot in my shoe string and put it back on and got up. And, but you know what? Whenever I finally conquered my flesh that morning, I had a great service in church with the people. And I hugged my sweet little wife for being an encouragement to me not to yield to all the junk that was going on to try to keep me out of church. Now, nobody here's ever done that. I'm sure. But you know, I have, praise God. I went through that a few times, praise God. And I'll talk about me because I won't get offended. I'll still be back in church Sunday, amen? <laughs> praise God. Talk about you and I might not see you again. But anyway, the Lord is teaching us through these things. We have to keep ourselves stirred up during these times of trouble. You have to keep that fire burning. You have to keep on fire for God. You have to keep your faith alive. You have to keep your focus on Jesus. You have to be on guard and realize that whenever all of a sudden you're responding wrong, it's the enemy trying to pull you away from God. And whenever you hear these reports 24-7 on these news channels, and all of a sudden you're going, oh my God. That's the enemy trying to pull you away from trusting God. Now, yes, there's a diligence there. Yes, we aren't naive. And, and yes, we're not running around here denying. Jesus already said these things are going to happen. These are real things. But he told us how to survive them and thrive during them. Amen? And live in victory right through this thing and be ready for him when he comes. In fact, not only live through them, but be a witness to other people that they can come through them too, praise God. Amen? And that's where the church has to be. Now, let me give you two real quick things here that you can do to stay stirred up. The first one's found over here in Colossians, the third chapter. Look in Colossians chapter 3. The, the Apostle Paul's writing here to the church of Colossae, and, and, and actually we'll, we'll go ahead and pick this up in verse 14. He tells you two or three things here you need to do. He says this, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. In other words, just, just keep yourself in the love of God. 
You start finding yourself being a little critical, just stop. Romans 5, 5 says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Just say, Lord, just fill me back up with your love. Lord, I just, just ask you to just make love the strength of my life. Then he says in verse, verse 15, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were also called, and in one body, and be thankful. In other words, when you find yourself sitting there, and you have to catch yourself. That's why he says take heed. When you find yourself sitting there a little anxious and a little worried and a little concerned, and all of a sudden it's starting to really mess with you, you need to stop and say, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not going to rule me. I'm going to let the peace of God rule me right now. Lord, just let your peace come on me right now. Lord, you, you, got, me. you got me in this. You got me. And Lord, I'm going to let your peace rule my heart. I'm not going to let anxiety or fear or all these things rule me. Jesus, you rule me right here. Amen. Thank you for the peace of God that passes all understanding. Then he says in verse 15, and here's how you do it. Here's how you get the love of God. And here's how you get the peace of God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. How am I going to do it? Be full of the word of God. Let the Word of God dwell in you richly. That means be full of it, praise God. And notice he says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to use knowledge. It's one thing to know what the Word says. It's another thing to know how to make it work in your life. Amen? Hallelujah. How, now, how do I know if I've got the Word in me? I'll, I'll tell you how you know. Whenever you talk to people, what comes out of your mouth? He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching one another and admonishing one another. Amen? Are you hearing me? How do I know that I'm ready to face all these things with the word of God? Can you take what you know and share it with somebody else? Are you hearing me? Are you talking about the dilemma and the problems and all the things that are coming on the land? Or are you talking the word? Amen? When you get in a conversation with this virus that's going on, do you end up by saying to them, yes, I know it's out there, but I'm going to tell you, 1 Peter 2.24 says that by Jesus Christ we were healed, and I'm standing on the Word of God, and I'm believing God. Psalm 107.20 says He sent His Word and healed them and delivers them all their trouble. And I'm going to tell you another thing, praise God. I'm standing on Psalm 5.11. He says, if I'll put my trust in the Lord and take refuge in Him, the Lord will put a covering over me and defend me. So I believe God's got me covered, and He's going to take care of me. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden, you are just building yourself up and stirring somebody else to believe God that they can get through this too. And you're fulfilling Matthew 24, 14. You're being a witness of the good news of the gospel of Jesus. Amen. How am I going to stay full of the word? Well, there's three things you can do. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Come to church and hear the word. Be in church and hear the word of God. Amen. Number two, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, but that can rightly divide the word of truth. Study for yourself. Don't come to church on Sunday morning and have a great, hot Sunday morning breakfast, praise God, and then don't have anything all week long. Fix you a good meal every day of the word of God and feed it into your heart. Amen. And that way you'll know how to deal with things when they come your way. Praise God. And finally, the third thing here, and how did I get full of the word? James 1.22 says, but be ye doers of the word, not just hearers only, lest you deceive yourself. In other words, I'm going to act on this. I'm going to do this. Amen. Amen. So let me share something with you. 
If, if you find yourself all of a sudden getting caught up in anxiety, worry, concern, and you'd made up your mind, Lord, next time something comes along, I'm going to speak the word. I'm going to be a doer of the word. I'm going to act on the word. And you're half hour into it and you go, oh, God, I forgot. I'm supposed to be doing the word. Don't stop going, well, I guess I blew that. I might as well go ahead and waste the rest of the night. No, stop right there and say, uh-uh, Mr. Devil, you almost got me. But I was in church the other night, and I know what to do with this. I'm not letting you have this. I'm putting the Word to work right now. In Jesus' name, I come against this. In Jesus' name, I receive the peace of God. In Jesus' name, I just choose to love God, love His Word, love people. And Lord, I want to thank you right now that my faith is working, and I'm a doer of the words. So I'm going to praise you for my victory right now. Immediately jump right in and do what the Word says. Amen? And the other thing is found in Ephesians 5.18. These are scriptures you know, but you know, uh, the Apostle Peter said, you know, he was a good minister because he put people in remembrance of the things, the present day truths, even though they already knew them. Amen? So I'm just putting you in remembrance, stirring this up, praise God. Look what he says in Ephesians 5.18. And do not be drunk with wine, which is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Amplified says, be ever filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. And the Greek actually says, be continually filled and stirred up with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. What's that mean? Stay full of the Spirit. Just stay full of the Holy Ghost. Just just make up your mind. I'm going to stay full of God. If I'm so full of God that there's no more room in me, then the devil can't put fear. He can't put distress. He can't put worry because there ain't no room for it. Amen. It just hits and falls off because there's no room in this house. Because I am full of the Holy Ghost and full of the Word. Amen. Somebody says, just how full do we have to be? If something touches you, the Word should roll right out. Amen. And you should be full of praise and thanksgiving and praying in the Spirit. You know, one of the things that help you stay full of the Spirit is Jude 20. He says, but you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. That means praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit. Then in verse 21, he says this, and keep yourselves in the love of God. The love of Christ. You know, praying in the Spirit will keep that love going. First John 2, 5 says the way we build love is if we practice the Word, we perfect love. Amen? So you know what? If I'm doing the Word, and if I'm praying in the Spirit, I'm building love into my life. I'm bringing peace into my life. I'm bringing strength into my life. I'm keeping myself strong. I'm putting a hedge about me so I can't be deceived. And I am not going to live every day worried whether or not I'm going to make it. Amen? I'm going to live in faith, and I'm going to be a blessing to others, and I'm going to be blessed even during times of trouble and tribulation. Amen? And listen, folks, it will work. Paul the apostle proved what he preached. You know the story in Acts, the, what, the 19th chapter there? 16th chapter, I'm sorry, in Acts chapter 16, he and Silas are preaching the gospel there in Philippi and started a church at Lydia's house. And they come in and beat him up and throw him and Silas in jail. You know the story. Acts 16. What did they do at midnight? They prayed and sang praises unto God. I want to tell you what. Their backs were beaten. Their feet were in stocks. And they were down in the stinky dungeon part of that jail. But yet they refused to let that test, trial, trouble, struggle, and injustice and lawlessness steal the joy and their walk with God away from them. So what they do? everything you and I can do. They prayed and chose to sing praises unto God. How many of you know there wasn't a whole lot of inspiration probably in those praises? Because you see, here's the thing. A lot of times we think, well, if we just don't feel the Holy Ghost moving, I'm not really praising God. 
But we already preached here just recently, the 100 Psalms says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord all your land. What's that mean? You're making a joyful noise, and you just decided to make it a joyful noise. Because you could have made it an unjoyful noise if you wanted to. But you know what you just chose to do? You chose to trust God in that situation. You chose to put Jesus first. And let him make you a witness to others that if I stay with Jesus, if I persevere, show some fortitude, and I'm not easily, quickly brought down and talked into surrender, if I'll just choose to do what the Lord says, he will save me out of my distress. Because he's no respecter of persons. If you can find it for an I've already shown he did it for Paul and Silas. If he did it for them then he has bound himself by his goodness to do it for us too. Amen.